You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's good to have you here today, those of you that are online as well as those who are in the room. Um, we launched a series last week on um, the practices of healthy people. And with all the disruption that we've experienced over the last 18 months, um, uh, with everything that's just gone on, uh, we've experienced uh, so much uh, of just disruption that I don't know about you, but my emotional and spiritual health has kind of waned a little bit during these d- days. And, uh, and so we're gonna talk, we've been talking about that. We started last week. We're gonna be talking about this for a few more weeks. A couple resources for you if you wanna dig deeper into um, this topic is a book by Pete Scazzaro called Emotional Healthy Discipleship. Um, really amazing book. And then also Rich Velotis wrote a book called The D- Deeply Formed Life. And so I would sh- check those out on Amazon um, and that would, would just dig deeper into that also our daily devotions, as Mike mentioned, are a great resource as well. Well, over the past year, I think all of us um, have examples of people um, who knew, who kind of claimed to be spiritually mature, but who were obviously emotionally immature. And I thought we should just name some names right now. So let's go do that. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Because I've also found myself in that camp, you know, where... um, where I've, I've had to deal with some emotional um, immaturity in myself uh, as well. And, you know, the first seven years of Westside, I've been the lead pastor here for almost eight years now. And so the first seven years were up and to the right. It was happy and awesome and growth and good things were happening and people liked me and it was great. And then uh, the last uh, year or so has been much more difficult um, down into the left and <laughs> a little bit not as fun and challenging and um, loss and pain associated with all of that. And, and I've come face to face again, and maybe you have, with my inability to control anything. And that is not easy to handle emotionally for me. I don't know about for you, but it's like, oh, I can I don't have any control, do I? (laughs) So I can try to control everything that I can control, and that's not good either. And so we needed this series. We need this series to know what it means to be emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy in times like these in particular. And one of the practices of spiritual and emotionally healthy people is the ability to um, come to grips with the reality of pain and loss in our lives. And, uh, and so this is going to be a, this is going to be kind of a heavy message for a minute, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more kind of in the positive, but it's, 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 it's a reality that I haven't met an emotionally healthy person that hasn't to some degree or another dealt with some of the grief and loss and disruption in their lives emotionally. Um, and what most of us do, and I'm the same, is that we ignore the feelings of loss and grief that we have. We try to avoid it. We try to move beyond it. We, uh, we see loss um, as an obstacle to overcome rather than anything else. We deny. Sometimes we even deny that it's happening, you know. Um, we just believe, you know, just believe and everything will be fine. You know, and it's like, no, it's not. This, we're, when we go through grief and loss, we know it. Um, and yet we try to avoid it. And there's a couple reasons I think that we don't allow loss and grief to form us emotionally and spiritually is that one, we resist losing control. We, we do, we want to be in control. Um, in a world that places such a high value on up and to the right, what happens when we experience grief and loss, it requires at least a momentary acceptance of down and to the left. And, and, and we don't like that. 
We, don't, it, we, we want to be in control, and it causes us to come uh, to, to face the fact that, yeah, we're not actually in control. And the second reason I think that we don't allow grief and loss to form us spiritually and emotionally is that we view loss as an interruption. You know why we view loss as an interruption? Because it is. <laughs> we, none of us plan it. None of us planned, you know, for the, a pandemic. We didn't anticipate it. We didn't, you know, no, hopefully nobody was looking forward to it. I mean, we don't, we don't put, it's not part of our scenarios. And so when it comes, we see this as interruptions. And as a result of that, what happens, because we see it as interruptions, we just try to, we try to mitigate it. We try to control it. We try to get beyond it. We try to blame around it. We try to do all kinds of things and just to avoid the tension that we feel in us. And, uh, and I think there's some reasons that God allows hard things in our lives um, that, that I want to just talk just briefly about. And I think that God allows some hard things to birth some things in us. And there's three things I want to mention here. One of the things that God does and why he allows us to go through grief and loss and heartache is it offers, he offers in the midst of that a revelation of himself. In the seasons of loss and grief that I've, I've experienced, I've come to know God in a deeper way. The things I thought I knew about him have, maybe some of those things have kind of filtered away, but then there's other deeper um, ideas about God and who he is and what his character is like and that have become more real to me. It's moved from just being words on a page to an experience that I live that, I, that, I, that I've, I've, I've experienced God in new and deeper ways as a result of grief and loss. Um, the prophet Jeremiah wrote um, in the Old Testament an entire book called Lamentations. Super happy book, you should read it. Uh, it's, just, it's just this book that describes the, the destruction of his nation. And it's caused because of God, because of their sin. And so God is judging Israel because of their sin and they're, they're in captivity and they're just, it's just not going well. It's really broken. And, and Jeremiah laments and he, and he writes about this um, in, in, in this book. And, and yet in the midst of this book, there's these couple verses that just pop off the page. Like they just, you just feel it, like they, maybe they don't belong, but then as you, but then when you go through heartache and suffering and hardship, you just realize, oh, I need these two verses. I need, in the midst of whatever you might be going through, I need these two verses. What, what Jeremiah wrote right in the middle of Lamentations chapter three, he writes, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is the faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies, be, they're fresh every single morning. Doesn't that do something to you emotionally? Is it just, maybe, maybe it's because I'm the one reading the words. Let's, let, can, we, can we put that back up on the screen? And let's say this together. Would that be okay? Wherever you're at online here as well, would you just read this with me? And would you, when you read it, just, just regardless of where you're at right now, just say, I believe, I'm gonna, I wanna believe this, right? Let's go. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Come on. That's so good. 
in the middle of, of, of a hard situation that Jeremiah was facing and wondering where God was and why he was allowing certain things to happen, he, he takes a minute and he reflects on the character of God, who he actually is, not what other people say he is, but who he has experienced God to be in the midst of his lament. See, sometimes I think we can't know the depth of God's love and mercy until we go through our own dark night of the soul, the pain of loss. And in the midst of that, God offers us a revelation of who he is, who we can trust, what he's like even when life doesn't make sense. And he also does a a second thing. He He, in the midst of this, that helps form us emotionally and spiritually, he gives us a greater revelation of ourselves. You know, I, um, I have some fruit trees in my backyard and I don't have a big, a big backyard. They're just, this is really tiny. But I got four trees back there and my dad really liked trees and he was living with us for a while so he inspired me to plant some trees and so we have a plum tree, an apple tree, a pear tree and a maple tree in my backyard and they kind of all clumped together and, um, it's, and, and so uh, we planted this pear tree. This is not in my notes but oh well and I'm gonna regret saying it. And, but my dad passed away and a couple years back and he, uh, um, and so he always wanted a pear tree, and so we planted a mini a mini pear tree in our backyard. And we, this is so this is so inappropriate. And so we we put some to tell you. It's not inappropriate what we did. It's inappropriate that I'm telling you. And we put uh, some of his ashes in the soil as we planted the tree in honor of him. And so, but but I I laugh because we haven't got any fruit yet from that tree. It's still too early, but hopefully this fall. But I always tell people that w- that when we do have those pears, they're going to be a little sweet and a little sour. <laughs> so, anyway. You know my dad, that makes sense. <laughs> but we, so anyways, back to the fruit trees. So I trimmed these fruit trees earlier this year and I trimmed them way back. First time I've trimmed them, they've been planted a couple years and I trimmed them and I thought, I, I, and I wondered, oh no, did I, did I cause these trees too much pain? Are they gonna be able to handle the, the trimming back? And you know what? They are flourishing. I mean, it's amazing. They're just like so abundant. I'm pretty sure we're gonna have fruit on all of them this fall. But I, I, and I thought about this, that this past year for most of us has been God trimming some branches and it's painful and it's filled with grief and loss and heartache. And yet I know that on the other side of the trimming that God gives us a greater revelation, not only of who he is, but also of ourselves. I've realized over this past year, I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm just, I'm less concerned than I've ever been about impressing you. <laughs> and this is a dark, dark, this is part of, part of leadership sometimes, is I've, I've, I'll be honest, I'm confessing, I've been pretty concerned about that in the past. And I don't want to say I don't care what you think, but I don't care what you think. You know? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm still working on it. But, but I, you know, I, I was so worried sometimes about saying the right things or, not, or, or, and say, or saying the wrong things, you know. And I, and, I, and I know myself better now. I know my gift, you know, who God has made me to be and what I'm strong at and, yeah, what I'm weak at. But I, and I have more confidence in who God has created me to be. And I, and I'm, and I'm, I live into that, you know. But that doesn't come easily. 
Sometimes it comes through trimming back the tree. Sometimes it comes through pain and loss and, and misunderstanding. And, and, and you just, and, and, and you, and, but you get, if you lean into it, you get a greater revelation of yourself as well as of God. And then the third thing, through hard times, God makes us softer and more compassionate people. See, loss and grief make us, makes us more empathetic to the hardship of others. Jesus was acquainted with our grief, it says in the Bible, and because of that, he had compassion for us. He had great compassion for us. I love what Henry Nouwen um, says, that the degree to which we grieve our own losses is in direct proportion to the depth and quality of the compassion we can offer to others. So how do we experience um, these you know, grief and loss and obstacles like, how, do we, how do we experience these, not as obstacles, but as opportunities? Is that even possible? So I wanna give you three things, and this is where we're gonna spend the rest of our time, three things. And if you're taking notes, um, write these three things down. If you're not taking notes, start taking notes right now and write these three things down. Just grab your phone and type them in because I think you're, I, I know I'm gonna be reflecting on these all week because they're deeper truths and ideas that, than, the, than the time we can give to them in, in this message. And so here's three, three ways that, um, and these are not, they're not consecutive. It's not step one, step two, step three kind of thing. It's more like these can happen at any time, all, all at the same time. Um, but these are practices that will um, help, that will set you up to experience emotional and spiritual health even in the midst of pain and loss. And so here's the first one. Pay attention to your pain. Pay attention to pain. Um, and I, this flies in the face of, of our culture a little bit, but the book of Esther, a super interesting book, um, it describes a moment in the uh, history of Israel when King Xerxes um, orders, uh, makes a law um, for all the Jews to be killed. And when this news reaches um, the ears of the Jewish people, look at how they respond. In Esther chapter four, verse one, when Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews, they fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. They, they were very much more expressive than Americans, obviously. Um, but I don't want you to lose the power of this, that they, they were aware of their pain, and they had a process to, to pay attention to it. They, they, they didn't do what we often do, and try to avoid it, or stuff it or pretend it doesn't exist. They allowed it, you know, I was thinking about this, I, I did this in my own journey with the loss of my oldest son, Chase, um, five years ago, and I, 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 I kind of, I stuffed it, I, I didn't pay attention to it, and what I realized as I was reading the Old Testament, they had this, this process of grieving, that it was, it was a process, it was something that they intentionally did for a year, and then they were able to move into their future. I think for me, and what I see in our culture is that we, we hold on to our pain, it begins to identify us, and then, and then we're never able to move beyond it. We're never able to, to go to the next place in our life, into the next season of our life, because, because we, don't, we don't actually process it. 
We don't actually have space for that in our lives. Some of, some of the older generation, you know this, you know, you, you weren't allowed, we weren't allowed to express what was going on, um, you know, and you just gotta pull your boots up and get, get on with it. And, um, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I, I get it, I've been tempted to do that, I, 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 I tried to do that. But all that does is, is when we bottle up our pain is that pain has a way of clawing its, back, its way back to the surface and it looks like depression, it looks like anxiety, it looks like physical illness, it looks like um, a, a sense of loneliness and emptiness when we don't actually acknowledge it. See, I think expressing our human pain is part of the narrative of scripture. Jeremiah wrote an entire book called Lamentations. More than half the Psalms are Psalms of lament. It was part of their, their culture and I think we need to, to, to pay attention to that. Um, and, the, and the second thing that we need to do, and you might, well, let me just, you might wonder, well, how do I pay attention to my pain? Well, just pay attention. Like my counselor once said, he had me sit, sit there and said, what do you feel? I'm like, <laughs> what do I feel? Great question, doc. Um, <laughs> What do I feel? I feel, I started thinking about it. I feel, I feel like a tightness in my gut. This heaviness on my shoulders. And that was, there started to be clues that there was something going on that I wasn't paying attention to. And I was trying to, and, and so we gotta pay attention. So pay attention to your body, ask questions. You know, when you get angry at uh, one of the news shows, that you, whichever one you watch, and you're like, ah, you know, when you watch the other one, I guess that's the way it works nowadays. You just, why are you angry? Ask yourself. Why are you anxious? Why am I sad? Why am I glad? Ask yourself. So here's the second one. Um, second practice of emotionally and healthy people in the midst of trauma and difficulties is sometimes we have to wait in the confusing in-between. Oh, I hate this one. See, when you read scripture, you see throughout the Bible, you see people who had to wait for the promises of God to come about. Abraham and Sarah had to wait decades for the birth of the child that God promised. Moses had to wait 40 years before he, God opened the door for him to deliver the people out of Egypt. Um, the disciples had to wait 40 days for the coming of the Holy Spirit. There just seems to be uh, something powerful in this idea of waiting it seems to be part, waiting and praying seem to be part of the spiritual and emotional growth in God's people. That doesn't mean it's easy. See, it's in the in-between times where we question so much. We question who God is. We question what's real. We question what's true. Um, we question what God is doing. We question when will it end. And it's in the, those times where we decide one, we're not in control, but also that we can't work our way out of it. And so what do we do in, the, in between times is you dig deeply, let your roots go down deep in those moments of what, who God says he is. Let yourself spend time in his word and in and, 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 and those waiting times. Resist the temptation to take matters into your own hands. We're really good at that. Well, if God ain't gonna do anything, and and you ever wonder why we don't see more miracles? We're doing it ourselves. We don't. I'm not saying don't like go to the doctor. I'm not one of those people at all. But our first response should be like, God, 
Would you move? Would you do something in this, in this in-between moment where I'm not sure what's gonna happen? Would you work? So don't take matters into your own hands and also don't run away from God. Don't like, I wrote, I wrote in my book that at one point I, this might offend some of you, I apologize, but um, at one point in my journey of loss with, of Chase, um, I gave God the middle finger. Thank you for somebody laughing. I appreciate that a lot. You have no idea how risky that was just then. Um, and I just was mad. I was mad. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, but you know what people do? Is they do that and then they run. And what I encourage people to do is if you're going to do that, that's okay. Just stay in the ring. Like Jacob did when he wrestled with God. Just stay, stick it out. Wait, wait, don't, don't run from God. Don't try to fix it yourself. It's in the waiting and the trusting where we become more like Jesus. It's sticking it in, sticking with it. Saying, God, man, I don't know what's going on, but teach me something. Show me something. And then the last thing that I want to mention is we need to allow the old to birth the new. Everybody take a deep breath. I need to take a deep breath. It's been heavy. This whole message has been heavy and I don't want this part to be heavy. And I also don't want it to be shallow or like an easy fix. But when I say allow the old to birth the new, there's something really powerful that we need to grab onto today. And you know, this idea of allowing, we need to allow it. And the reason I use that word allow is because it's so easy to stay stuck in the in-between. It, it can become our identity. I'm the guy who lost a son. I'm the person who had a bankruptcy. I'm the one that um, can't make a marriage work. I'm the, you know, you just, all of these things that happen and we just, and we stay there. We become identified by those things. And so we can stay stuck in the in-between forever. Matter of fact, sometimes I felt like it was easier to stay in the in-between than to actually hope again for something better. It was actually easier to stay broken and like, just, this is who I am, this is the way life is, God, obviously God's not doing anything, than to actually believe that he still might do something in my situation and in yours. And see, what, birth, what, what it means to allow the old to birth the new is that there's something else at work in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our suffering, in the middle of our heartache. There is something else at work that maybe sometimes we don't see, maybe sometimes we don't understand, maybe sometimes we're not sure if it actually is going to do anything, but there is always something else at work. And you know what it is? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is our reality it is your reality and it is my reality. See, I came to a place in my journey where um, I finally had to open myself up again to the possibility that God might do something in my life and even through my pain that God might do something. I had to reconcile that reality. I had to believe again. I had to hope again. 
I love Jesus said in John 12, I don't really like it, but it's, it's a powerful phrase, it's a powerful word. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. But what has died this past year? What, what have you been grieving? What have you, been, what have you lost? What, have you, what has been the things that you just, you look back and you go like, uh, maybe there's some relationships that you've lost. Maybe there's some finances that you've lost. Maybe there's, what are the things that have happened this past year that's, that's causing anxiety and grief and, and, and a sense of stress in your life? What are those things? Isn't it possible that if you allow those things to die, that they might actually produce something of joy and purpose and renewed sense of God's presence in our lives? Is it possible? And I would say yes. Why? Because of the resurrection. See, the resurrection of Jesus is always our reality. It is our past, it is our present, and it is our future. His work is happening right now. Sometimes we don't know when, we don't know how, but I know, I know, you guys, I know this for sure, that the resurrection is around the corner. A new day is dawning. We can have hope. We can put our trust in him. We can believe into it. Man, I just, we have to. Or we'll stay stuck in the in-between and not believe into. See, sometimes I think we have to believe our way into a new way of living. Does that make sense? Sometimes we have to believe our way into a new way of living. And sometimes we have to let go of the, of what we wanted our future to be to embrace the future we actually have. Jesus' resurrection. There's this amazing prophecy in, in Ezekiel where there's, there's all these bones, these dead bones, just a field of dead bones and God's presence begins to revive what was dead back to life. Turn my mourning into dancing. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Would you be willing with me to risk, to hope again, to believe again? Your emotional and spiritual health is dependent on it. Jesus, would you help us? We invite your cross, your sacrifice to birth resurrection in our lives. Jesus, we want to know you the power of your resurrection, to share in your sufferings, and ultimately, Jesus, to know you more. Just with your eyes closed for a moment, would you, if you're, if you're comfortable saying this prayer after me, would you just repeat these words out loud here in the room and online as well? Jesus, I believe in you. I put my trust in you. I believe in your resurrection. That you died and rose again. <laughs> Increase my faith. Use my pain. I love you, Jesus. 
keep your eyes closed for a moment. If you prayed that prayer and it's the first time you prayed a prayer like that, of believing into Jesus, would you simply right now, I just wanna agree with you and celebrate with you and just lift up your hand in this room right now if that was you and say, yeah, I, I prayed that prayer, yeah, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, awesome. Thank you, God. Yeah, praise the Lord. Those online, just just maybe type in the chat room or you can do a private chat and just tell our, our pastor, our host there that you prayed that prayer for the first time. Yeah, thank you, Jesus, for your amazing resurrection power. Let it be real this year. Let it be real, Jesus, to those who are facing illnesses. Let it be real to those who are facing financial turmoil. Let it be real to those who are in depression and are, and are steeped in anxiety and stress. Let it be real to us, Jesus, that your resurrection power would work in our hearts and in our minds. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.